going to be in Exodus chapter 13 today, uh, Exodus 13, and then we're going to go to Exodus 3, actually, two kind of chapters we're going to be in, but we'll be in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, Genesis, then Exodus, Exodus 13, verse 17. I'm going to read this passage of scripture first, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. It says this in Exodus 13, 17. I'm reading out of the ESV translation, if you want to know, if you're following along on maybe a digital device and can choose the translation. It says this, it says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was, everybody help me with these two words, it was the what? Okay, shortest route. Uh, Now, I'm going to just real quick ask this question. How many of you say route and how many of you say route? Okay, anybody? Who says route? Who says route? Okay, who says route? Okay, okay, I just want to make sure you're wrong. Um, so, <laughs> I made you raise your hand. I'm sorry. That's public shaming. No. <clears throat> we get a Route 44 or Route 44. Which one do y'all say? Route 44. Okay, all right, just making sure. All right, all right. All right, so they went, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. So think about this for a moment. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to the place that they could not wait to get out of. So God led them. Everybody say that. God led them. Say it one more time. God led them. You're going to participate a lot in this message, even if I have to force you. Okay, God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. We must remember that God is a God of intentionality. How do you know that even when it seems like God is not doing anything, he's up to something? When God is up to something, he's up to something. But even when God looks like he's not up to something, he is up to something. He's always up to something even when it doesn't look like he is. And the Israelites here, God's chosen people, have been stuck in slavery for 430 years. 430 years of oppression, suppression, depression. I mean, they could not wait to get out. And for all of those in here who maybe in some way feel like you have been stuck in something for a long time, the title of this book should give you hope today. The title of this book is Exodus. And how many know we serve a God of exits? And if God is a God of exit, that means you and I are never stuck. We're never stuck. If God is a God of exit, whatever he's got to do, if he's got to part a Red Sea, he'll get you through it. Anybody here look back at your life and say, God got you out of some things that you didn't know you could get out of? God got you through some things that you didn't know you could get through? God is a God of exits, and if you feel stuck in this place, just know it is not God's desire for you to stay stuck. It is God's desire for you to move. God is a God of movement. You know how I know God is a God of movement? Two-thirds of his name is go. Let's go. That's how much he loves movement. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate his word today. So Holy Spirit, we love you. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Right now, I know all of Trinity is working together to speak to your people. And Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you um, you are the truth teacher. You are the teacher today. And so we are, are here today 
to hear your words. I pray for open ears and open hearts to receive what you have for us today. I pray against anything that would try to distract us in this moment. God, you have a word for your people, and I pray, Lord, that you would tailor every single message to every single person in this room what they need from you today. And, Lord, we, we give you all the praise and glory. And everybody said, amen. 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 Can we all agree that anytime you are stuck in a place created for movement, you are frustrated? Anybody in here enjoy traffic? Come on. If there's anything that will frustrate you, it is definitely traffic. But I think there's actually a step beyond that that actually gets even me more frustrated than just traffic is any of y'all booked a flight lately? Any of y'all been on a plane lately? Anybody? Okay, let me ask you another question. Anybody been to purgatory lately? Um, You've been to an airport lately. Oh, my goodness. Airports are crazy. Uh, they're, they're, they're just craziness to, to go, and, and right now there's been cancellations and just a lot of stuff that's been going on. My wife and I love to travel as much as we possibly can. Uh, we'll be traveling in a couple months, getting on a plane to go fly to Colorado to see our son's doctor, which, by the way, for everybody who prays for Joel, he's doing really, really good. Thank you all so much for continuing praying for our youngest son. Um, God's hand is upon that little boy. But one of the things that, that I don't like about flying is I don't like flying and doing connecting flights. If I can figure out a way to do a one-way, like a one-flight, I'm all over that. But unfortunately, we live in a small city where Lafayette and Lake Charles are pretty much connecting flights. You're either going to fly to Atlanta, or you're going to fly to Houston, or you're going to fly to Dallas. You're usually, for the most part, not going to fly directly to where you want to go. So you're going to have to have connecting flights. And if you've ever wanted to have the spirit sucked out of you, just go on a connecting flight. Because it always happens where you get landed in such a time that you have a short window. We get get from one term to the next terminal and you landed at A2 and you've got to get to Z99 in 13 minutes and you are you've got a couple options there of whatever you've got to do and and Lindsay and I have done the whole home alone thing trying to run as fast as we possibly can carrying our son's oxygen tank as we go and as you're running they have these amazing things in the airport these things are a gift from God they are called moving walkways Has anybody ever been on a moving walkway? It exponentially increases your speed at a whole not. I mean, you feel like lightning. I mean, you're just going and you're just moving. And the only thing that is most frustrating about a moving walkway is when you get onto a moving walkway to hurry up and get to your flight that you're about to miss. And you have people that are standing on a moving walkway. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating. This is called a moving walkway. It's you move and it moves. I think there should be tickets given to people who stand on moving walkways. And they don't even understand the street things. Like, you should be able to get at least over into the right lane so that we can get past you in the left lane. But there is nothing more frustrating that when you are standing in a place that you were created to move. And the same, I think, is true for us spiritually, emotionally. There's nothing more frustrated than when you are stuck when you were created to move. God has created us to move. Think about creation. Right now, you are, you are sitting in a planet that is moving. Just take, the, take that in for a moment. You are sitting in a chair on land, but we are moving. Like, our earth is spinning. The solar system is spinning. 
Like the moon and the sun are spinning. Everything is moving. Everything is in movement right now. Think about this. Right now, your blood is moving. Like when your blood stops moving, it's not good. Like your blood was designed to be pumped through your lungs and your heart and to go and circulate throughout your body. So think about God is a God of movement. And so he's never designed his people to ever be stuck. And yet today in the story of what we find is the story of God's people who are stuck. And God is going to call a man, as many of you may know, Moses. Now the backstory of Moses is Moses from day one was a Hebrew. God had his hand on him. At the time of, of Moses' birth, Pharaoh had issued a decree that he was going to kill all of, the, all of the Hebrew boys. And his mom, in protection of him, put him in a basket and sent him down the Nile River. And it is only by God's providence that Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the same river and comes and sees this basket floating by, picks up the basket only to determine and see that there is a baby boy inside of this. Her heart is so overwhelmed for this little boy, she takes this little boy as her own. While she's doing that, Moses' sister is watching what's going on, goes up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, I know someone that can help you with that child. Guess who she goes and gets? Moses' mom. And Pharaoh's daughter allows Moses' mom to care for Moses. Think about just how the hand of God is in all of that, that Moses became a part of Pharaoh's um, um, household. He then treated like royalty. He receives the royal treatment, going from being possibly potentially murdered to then being in the royal family. How many of you look back at that and go, that's the hand of God that is on that situation? How many of you look back at your life and see the hand of God in certain situations in your life where you go, that was only God? And that reminds me today, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, that God made you on purpose for his purpose. And God, from the very beginning of Moses' birth into this world, God had created Moses on purpose. And even in the midst of what Pharaoh is trying to do to take out God's people, God still had a plan. God still birthed, eventually, what would be a deliverer. God has a purpose for you, for his purposes. Now, your parents may have been a surprise by your arrival, but God never was. Your presence on this planet means that you have purpose. We're not a result of an accident. We have been strategically and intentionally placed on this planet for such a time as this. So Moses grows up in royalty. Forty years pass, and Moses um, is watching as he's being treated like royalty, watching his fellow Hebrew people being treated like slaves. So imagine what that was like you as a Hebrew getting treated like a, like a king, and yet watching your people go through the most abusive, oppressive moment of history. And so there's this one moment where he sees an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews, and he gets so angry in that moment that he takes out his emotion and he kills the Egyptian. In killing the Egyptian, he thinks he buries the body, all is good, and come to find out people saw it happen. 
And so now in response to what he has done, he runs for his life, he fears for his life, and he runs not just a couple miles away, he runs 400 miles away. Because how many know oftentimes when we look at our past, we want to get as far away from it as we possibly can. So 400 miles away, he goes to a place called Midian. There he meets a woman, he marries this woman, and he goes from royalty to being a shepherd. He's now a shepherd, and he's fallen from the highest position to the lowest position. He's gone from a place of being recognized and revered to being in a place where he's never even really seen or given any credit for. I mean, he's a shepherd now. And so in this moment, as he's herding sheep, there's this one moment now. He's herding sheep on a what is called Mount Sinai, which has a lot of other implications that happen after this. But on Mount Sinai, he's herding sheep. And in this moment, as he's shepherding, God meets him in this moment. And God meets him in a very unique way, in a way that we've never seen any other way that God has met with someone, which is he, he met him, anybody know, through what? Through a burning bush. That's exactly right. Burning bush is caught on fire, but yet it's not on fire, according to what Scripture says, and God begins to speak to him. He grabs his attention, and we know maybe the story where God says, hey, this is holy ground, come to me, and it's this God moment that he has uh, and yet this is the moment. I want you to see in verse uh, Exodus 3 now, verse 9, because I want us to look at this. Because just as much as the children of Israel are stuck in Egypt for 430 years, Moses has now been stuck in the wilderness. You have two people stuck. Two people stuck. And yet what we're going to see in verse 9 here, let's read it together. I want, I want you to see how this happens. Because yet again, if God's a God of exit, God's people should never be stuck. God is a God of movement. He's always trying to move us along. And so here, here, here he speaks to him. And I want you to look. So verse 9, he says this. And now behold, this is God speaking to Moses. Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come. And then what does he say? I'm going to do what? I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay. I don't know if you just caught something here, but I want to help you if you saw it. Bible says that God says to Moses, I have heard the cries of the Hebrew people, and I have seen the oppressions of what the Egyptians have done, and I'm going to send you to go to Pharaoh to fix this. You're going to deliver my people. Watch this. They talk to God, and God talks to Moses. They talk to God, and God talks to Moses. Did y'all catch that? They talk to God, God talked to Moses. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know about y'all. When I talk to God about my problems, you know who I want him to be talking to? Me. <laughs> I want him to talk to me about it. Like, I brought my problems to you. I'm talking to you about this. I want you to tell me what I should be doing about it. But no, they talked to God and God talked to Moses. They talked to God, God talked to Moses. They talked to God and God talked to Moses. And this really, really, really bothers me because I really want God to talk back to me. I want him to be talking to me. But 
Watch this, and this is so huge here, because just because God's not talking to you about the problems doesn't mean he's not trying to fix it. Come on, I need you to hear me, listen. Just because God's not telling you the answer of what you need to do doesn't mean he's not talking to somebody else about what the answer is. And maybe, just maybe, as you're praying and telling God about all that's happening, God is doing 10,000 other things to rearrange the situation in your favor, and you don't see it in the moment. But if we trust that God is good no matter what we're going through, when I'm talking to him, he's hearing me. But just because he's not talking to me doesn't mean he's not doing anything. Because God is a God of intentionality, right? If God is a God of intentionality, everything he does is intentional and is on purpose because God knows that in order for their answer of their prayers, for God to deliver us from this, they need a deliverer. And so God has to go find the deliverer and convince the deliverer that he can do this. Because they weren't going to deliver themselves. The children of Israel were not going to get themselves out of this situation. And could it be, could there be situations in our own life that God goes, you're not going to fix this. But I'm going to divinely, strategically put some people in your life that are going to help you get out of this. Come on, anybody got some divine relationships that have helped you get out some things that you couldn't get out of? Help you overcome some things that you couldn't overcome yourself? This is what God does. And so what we have here is we have a... a a, a, a situation where God wasn't talking to them but he, because he was trying to convince the answer. <laughs> and so he tells Moses, I'm going to send you. And I want you to see with me what his response is because uh, I, I want to share t- two big thoughts today on what keeps us from moving in our purpose. What is it that keeps us stuck and, and we, can't, we, we get stuck and we don't, we don't move forward? There's two really, really, really big ones that we see in this passage of Scripture. And the first one is insecurity. It's insecurity. Because God says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you're going to bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's verse 10. Verse 11. So Moses now gets to respond. And Moses says to God, first three words, what are they? Who am I, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So here we are. God is telling Moses, you are my man. And Moses is telling God all the reasons why he's not qualified to do it. Who am I to do this? Why have you called me? Notice Moses didn't say it couldn't be done. He just said he couldn't do it. He believes that God can be the deliverer. He just doesn't believe that he's the answer to being the deliverer. And here we are in this moment. God is trying to convince Moses that he is the man. And the truth is that you and I will always behave in a way that is consistent with how we view ourselves. I'm going to say that again. You and I will always behave in a way that is consistent with how we view ourselves. So if you view yourselves as someone who cannot do what God's calling you to do, you won't do it. You just won't. However you view yourself often will determine what you will do. Whether you fight the insecurities that Moses is fighting. We see what Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we go, okay, well, what is the things that, keep us, that make us insecure? Oftentimes is we feel like we don't know enough. Let's just talk through these things. We don't know enough. We don't have enough experience. We don't have enough knowledge. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough. I mean, we can just go through the list of all the things like, oh, it can't be me. It can't be me. Now, here's what I want you to understand something. 
Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house, right? So if he was raised in Pharaoh's house, do you think he got a pretty good education? Yeah. Actually, we, we know that he did. Because look what Acts chapter 7 says. Acts 7, 22 says, says this about Moses. It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptian. And he was powerful in speech and in action. So even yet, even though he was highly educated, full of all of the wisdom that Egyptians could give him, had all of the connections that you would think you would need, yet he still said, who am I? And that is such a huge understanding for us to realize that there are no amount of accolades, no amount of goals, no amount of acclaim that will ever be enough to solve the who am I question. The only person who can solve the who am I question is Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus tells us who we are, and you don't know you like God knows you. Did y'all hear that? You don't know you like God knows you. God knows you better than you, and oftentimes God is trying to introduce you to you. See, everybody in your life has tried to tell you who you were. Maybe your parents have tried to name you who you were. Maybe your friends have tried to name you who you were. Maybe your past is trying to name you who you were. But at the end of the day, God knows you. He knows what he created you for. He knows what he's purpose. He knows how he's gifted you. He knows how he's wired you. He knows you from your inward parts. He knows even how many hairs are on your head. He knows all about you. He knows the experience that you've went through. He knows the pain that you went through. And so when he calls you to something, he says, I know everything that's happened to you, everything that's in you. You're called to this. And for us to go, who am I? We're we're really disrespecting God because God says, I've called you. I've equipped you. You are my man. Before God could use Moses, he had to get Moses to see himself as as he sees him. And how many know we have an enemy that doesn't want you to see you like God sees you? We have an enemy that does not want you to see you like God sees you. You know, even the enemy, I think, sees us as God sees us sometimes. And he is so after us being lied to the fact. That's why he's he's an accuser. That's why he's a deceiver. That's why he's a liar. Because even the enemy knows that if you could fully understand your potential in God, (laughs) he would be in trouble. And so what is God's solution to Moses' insecurity? Look with me in verse 13. So let's see how God responds to this. How many know when you give God uh, excuses, he doesn't really take them? Y'all learned that yet? (laughs) Oh, who am I? God's like, oh, you're right. Okay, I'm out, you know. God says, ah, I got something for this. And so then Moses says to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? I mean, what shall I say to them? So he's going, okay, 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 okay. God, let's just say I was to go, hypothetically. (laughs) When I get there, they're going to ask, who sent you? What do I say to them? And so God always has great answers. And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I don't know about y'all, but 
That's not a good enough answer for me. <laughs> Who sent you? I am sent me. What's his last name? Uh, I am? I don't know. First name I? His last name Am? I, I am has sent me? Okay. What, what do you, I, I am. What is, he, what is he speaking here? What he's saying is, is that I am, and, and it's where we get Jehovah. It's where we get the different names of God. He's, this is literally what he's saying. Whatever you need, that's what I'll be. If you need I am the provider, I can be Jehovah Jireh for you. If, I, if you need peace, come on, I can be peace for you. If you need a miracle working, I can be a miracle working God for you. I am sent me and I am can be whatever I am needs to be in the moment that you need it. And this is what you need. This is the confidence that we have that no matter what we're facing, I am is with me and I am can step in. And so if I'm in a medical room, I am can be a doctor. If I'm in a courtroom, I am can be a lawyer. If I'm in a lonely room, I am can be a friend. If I am a fatherless, I am can be a father and he can step in. Whatever I need in that moment, I am can be it. And this is the confidence that we have. Well, who am I? Notice he doesn't say, well, here's all the things about you. He says, no, no, you don't really even need to know who you are. You just need to know who's with you. Because I've called you, I've equipped you, and I'm with you. And now, of course, we fast forward to the New Testament. Not only is God with us, how many know God is in us? Back in those days, God had to be with you. Today, we got God in us. God is in us. The Holy Spirit has filled us. And so he says, who who am I? So God's solution in that moment was to remind him who he is. God often doesn't remove our insecurities. He works through them. <laughs> he didn't remove them. He worked through them. And if you and I will anchor ourselves to the I am, he will continue to help us to know who we are and who he's called us to be. So that's the first kind of excuse that he gives God. The second one is fear. So God calls us into something and we, insecurities rise up and go, who, who am I to do this? And I would be lying to you if I didn't say that those same insecurities I battle with all the time. I remember when Pastor Bubba and I had the conversation about him handing off the church and me stepping into the senior pastor role. And I was perfectly fine with the role that I was doing. It's perfectly fine. And I'm like, Pastor, Pastor Bubba, I don't know about this. I, this is not, this is not. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And he would, man, man of God, you got this. You can do this. You can do this. I'm like, I don't know. And, and I, I can tell you, even to today, there are still continual things that want to plague my mind to go, no, 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 you can't do this. And I'm going to tell you, your pastor still battles the same thing as all of us, as just as much as you. Any of y'all in a place or in a position that God has you in, and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Anybody been there? It's just an uncomfortable place. And yet, again, God doesn't remove the insecurities. He works through them. Because guess what? You know what that insecurity kind of does, though? It puts me prostrate before the Lord to go, I can't do this without you. Because how many know if you really thought you could, you'd be full of pride? <laughs> so the fact that you got this inside of you, like, I don't know if I really can do this. God, you're stretching me. God, you're pushing me. And God goes, I know that's exactly where I want you to be because you'll always be dependent on me. And so then if we can move past the insecurities and go, okay, God, you're with me, then the next thing that we've got to battle usually is fear. Fear. Because Moses says, actually, let's, let's look back in verse 2. Moses answered, what if they, what if they don't listen to me or believe me? 
and they say, the Lord did not appear to you. How many know what if is fear's greatest hit? Do you know how many dreams have died under the weight of what if? You know how many dreams have died under the weight of what if? You know how many things in your life you and I probably did not do because of what if? Do you know how many sleepless nights we've had because of what if? What if, what if, what if, what if? And this is what worry and what fear does is it, it gets us into a future that we don't know yet, but we've got to just be reminding of ourselves that we serve a God who is not subjected to time. He is in the past, the present, and the future. And how many know if he called you into it, he's already in it before you're in it? And also to realize that there are some things that you'll just never be able to control. We love control. Okay, I'm not going to say for y'all. I love control. I love to have things under control. I like things to be a certain way. I like it when I plan something and it happens the way the plan goes. Anybody else in here? And when the plan, the plan detours, it just makes me not feel too good. I, I love that and here we are in a moment and the fear of Moses is what if I go back what if what what's going to happen what 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 if you don't show up what if what if I can't do it what if and then he goes what if they what if they because a lot of fear is a fear of man what are what if what are they going to say what are they going to do what are the hebrews going to do what are the egyptians going to do and his fear is not just hypothetical his fear actually is based out of something historical because <laughs> we remember what he did to the egyptian and he was rejected and they wanted his life. And so imagine, here we are 40 years later. It's not just something that's hypothetical. It's something historical. What if I go back and they remember what I did? What if I go back and, and the Hebrew people think something differently of me now? What do I do in this moment? Moses is afraid of this rejection yet again, and he's projecting his past into his potential, and it's causing him to be stuck. But often when God speaks to you about your potential, he will often cause you to confront your past. When God speaks to you about your potential, he will often cause you to confront your past because we know that the past will be the one thing oftentimes that will keep us stuck from moving forward into our potential because we'll look at past failures, past mistakes, past words, past issues, past pains, and we'll stay stuck where we're at because we don't really, we want to go to the potential, but we don't want to face the past. So this is why it's so important for us to deal with our past, to get healings from our past, to understand our past, because your past can still inform your present. And so God is challenging him not only to understand who he is and who God is, but he's also wanting him to a bit address what he came from in the past. And so God's solution to him is in Exodus 4, yet again in verse 2, and it says this, And then the Lord said to him, Here's God's solution to him when he said, well, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? And God says this, what is that that is in your hand? What is that that is in your hand? And he replied, a stick? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what it is. A staff is a stick. Okay. I got a stick. What are they going to do? What are they going to say about me? What, are they, what you got in your hand? 
I mean, I got a, I got a stick. Do you want me to go beat them? Or do you want, like, what are we doing here? What do you want? What God is saying, and I believe this is a word for us, Eunice, as well, is that all that you have is all that you need. All that you have is all that you need. When fear and insecurity wants to jump on you, you just realize all that you have is all that you need. God has fully equipped you with everything that you need to do what he's called you to do. I don't know about you, but I can get so caught up in what I don't have. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have knowledge. I don't... Pastor Jamie's like, hey, I want you to lead a life group this semester. You're like, uh, uh, um, and I don't, I don't know the Bible enough. I don't know this enough. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, all you have is all you need. All you have is all you need. Now, I'm not saying that we don't desire to gain in more wisdom and learn more and grow more. And by all means, I'm not, not saying that that's the case. But I am saying that if God's going to call you in the moment, everything that you need, the education that you need, the, the talent that you need, the money that you need, the resources that you need, the connections that you need, the relationships that you need. If God, by the way, if he hasn't given it to you in that moment, he will provide it to you when you need it. And we see that all throughout scripture as well. And can I say that to any single moms that are in this room? God has given you all that you need, and God will supply. What God has, has not supplied in natural family, however that may have been through sin or situations, I love this because God will often supply it through spiritual family. God gave me in my life relationships and spiritual fathers when my natural father left me. God will often come along and he will supply in other ways to get resources to you. How many know when Elijah was in a brook, God could get food to him through birds? I mean, no, God can get resources to you any way he needs to get resources to you. If he's called you to do it, if he's called you to do it, then God can get the resources to you, and yet fear will call us to continually look at what we don't have. But it was something that Moses already had that can move him forward. That can move him forward. If you know the story, this stick becomes like a trick stick. <laughs> Because he could throw it down, and then it would turn into a serpent, and he picked it back up, and he says, hey, when you go, this is what you're going to use. And if you know the story of Moses, that stick was not just any stick. The Bible actually describes after that burning bush that every time that it talks about the stick, it would talk about the stick of God. Because how many know when it's in your hands, it's just a stick, but when it's in God's hands, it becomes something totally different. And so we can take all of our gifts and all of our talents, and in your hands, it can only do so much, but when it gets in God's hands... God can do things with your talents and your resources. How many of you know a, 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 a five loaves and two fishes in a boy's hand is just a little lunchable? In God's hands, it feeds 5,000 plus people. How many know if we take what we have and we put it in God's hands, God can multiply it in ways you could never multiply it? God can do things that you can never. This is why, this is why tithing and giving is such a big deal for me personally. It's because in my hands, I can only do so much. But it's amazing that when I put it into my resources into God's hands, which, by the way, it's not really my resources in the first place. It's all God's and steward. But when I put it in his hands, how he multiplies what it seems like I'm lacking. Because I don't know about y'all. When I look at our, my tithe go through, there's, I'm like, there's a lot of things I could do with this money. There's a lot of places that this could go. But then when I realize, you know what, this is more about what God's doing in me and what God wants to do through me, it's incredible that when I put it in his hands, what he can do. And so here we are in this moment. Moses has no idea. Watch this. Moses has no idea that two million people are waiting for him to say yes. Let that just sit in for a moment. 
Moses has no idea that there have been over 2 million people that have been praying to God for God to help get them out. And here we are, God is speaking to Moses in a moment, trying to convince him that he is the answer to this. And literally 2 million people are waiting for Moses just to say yes. Which makes me ask the question this. How many people has God prepared for us to be the answer to their prayer? That coworker that's been at your workplace that has been in such deep despair and lost and has nowhere to turn and doesn't know what to do with their marriage or doesn't know what to do with their kids and they've been praying and praying and praying and maybe they don't even go to church but they've just been praying because that's all that they know to do and who did they get put right beside? You. And yet because we can be so consumed with our own needs and our own work and our own stuff, we can forget to realize that God is wanting to use us in everyday situations, and oftentimes when we're praying to God for an answer, he uses people to bring the answer. I mean, no, we are an answer to a broken world, the church. The church is God's plan A on how to reach the world. Could God save everybody in an instant, yes or no? Yes, absolutely he can. He can. But guess what he uses? He uses people like you and I to reach broken and hurting people. Guess what? Healed people help heal people. Freed people help free people. Delivered people help deliver people. God uses his people to be his hands, his mouth, and his feet for his purposes. And that's why I said the title of this message is, It's Time to Get Moving, because oftentimes we're praying for a move of God. Hey, newsflash, God is moving. The question is, not is he moving, but are you? He's moving. God is moving in Eunice. God is moving in Jennings. God is moving in Crowley. God is moving in your workplace. God is moving in your family. The question, though, is not, is he? The question is, are we? (laughs) We're often the stuck ones. God's not stuck. We're stuck. God is usually moving, and he's asking us to step outside of our comfort zone. How many know? Listen, for Moses, sheep, easy. Can we be honest? Two million people, sheep. I'll take sheep any day. Okay, I got, I got sheep. I got sheep. But if he's created on purpose for God's purpose, he wasn't created for sheep. He wasn't created for sheep. I have to remind my wife, every time there's moments we want to quit, I wasn't created to sell cars. I wasn't created to go do something else. Even though cars don't talk back. Come on, somebody. There's other things. Any of y'all just in a place and you're like super uncomfortable? You're like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this anymore. And you're telling God all the reasons why you don't want to do this. And he's like, well, that's where I got you. You're created for this. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll empower you. Rely on me. This is what you're called to do. But I'm going to tell you right now, following Jesus is not comfortable. And if you are looking to follow Jesus and to have comfort, you will always be bothered. Because following the call of God is never convenient. It's never comfortable. It always comes with a cost. Always comes at the cost. To lead your family in the ways of the Lord will come with the cost. To have a marriage that is life-giving and joy-filled will come with the cost. To be used by God in any kind of way, it's going to come with the cost. And if you think about it, every person that was used in Scripture that we all look at and we all read about and we all, you know, talk highly about, all of these people had to get out of comfort and move. I just wrote a couple down. David could have stayed with sheep, but he didn't. 
Elijah could have stayed in the fields, but he didn't. Peter could have stayed in the boat, but he didn't. The apostles could have stayed in Jerusalem after the, after the, the, the upper room moment, but notice God said, no, 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 you can't stay here because what happens here has got to go everywhere else. And ultimately, Jesus could have stayed in heaven. But nothing great happens in the comfort zone. So if you are feeling stretched right now, that might be God. If you're feeling called right now, that might be God. If you're feeling stuck right now, maybe it's time for us to go, God, what do you want to do? What are you trying to get me to do? Revival happens when the church stops watching and the church starts moving. I will say that again. Revival happens when the church stops watching and they start moving. Hey, listen, we're not here to watch a preacher. We're here to move with Jesus. How many know Jesus said, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men? Follow me. My responsibility is to follow. It's his responsibility to make. And so many people are trying to make themselves something and not following. Your job's to follow. His job's to make. If we move, he makes. We move, he makes. He steps, we step. He leads, we follow. We obey. This is what God is calling us to do. So today, I'm encouraging us as a church to not just people who just sit and watch a move of God, but that we participate with a move of God. Because God wants and is doing some incredible things in this city and all the surrounding cities around here. And you're going to get a pastor that's going to come back next week and he's going to be fired up and he's going to be ready to go and his wife is going to be incredible, ready to go and they're, they're going to be here and I know God spoke a lot to them but they're gonna be looking for a church that will rally around and say, let's go. It's time to go, let's go, let's go. And I pray for us as a church that as we draw closer to Jesus, that we would hear his voice to say, hey, follow me, follow me. You're not gonna follow me into comfort, just go ahead and let you know that now, but you will follow me into the call of God and you will follow me into a place that your life will look so radically different. The reason why we get stuck in life is because we stopped following. So if we're stuck, we stopped following. Because remember, God is a God of movement. And he's always moving. And he's on the move. And so following Jesus is not saying a prayer. Following Jesus is I get up every morning and go, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me today? What do you want to do through me today? Yes. Yes. God, yes. Yes. Yes, and here's the incredible thing about how God works is that when you follow Jesus, eventually, because it's so incremental and so it's every day, I wish I could say every day was like a burning bush. How many know he only saw the burning bush once? God never let him buy a burning bush after that, ever. Now, we had cloud moments and fire moments and all these other things that happened in the leading, but every day was a little bit different. And every day was a little bit different, and every day was a little bit different. And his yes to this led him to Egypt, and then he said yes there, and that eventually led them out, and then he said yes there. And we keep going, 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 all these little yeses. And so much of your life, listen, it's not, it's not fireworks, it's just daily obedience to yes, 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 yes. Everybody with me? Yes. Everybody say it. Yes. Yes. We just say yes. Holy Spirit, yes. Holy Spirit, Yes. Yes, yes, yes. If you want to follow Jesus for a very, very long time, you cannot continue to look for fireworks. It's got to be daily decisions to say yes, 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 yes. Would you bow your heads in this place? Father, we love you. God, we thank you today for your word that is compelling us and calling us 
to say yes. Lord, we don't want to be a people who just attend a service and go to church and sing some songs and hear a message and then walk out and live our life for ourselves. We want to be a church that is fully surrendered to your call in our life. And so, Father, I pray for those that are in this room right now that have just felt stuck. God, maybe they've been stuck spiritually, just, just feel like they where are you, God? Where are you? But God, I know you are a talking God and you're always speaking to us. So I pray, God, that you would give them ears to hear your voice like never before. God, give them ears to hear. God, those who maybe have been stuck because it's just been more convenient. It's been comfortable. I feel like I'm speaking to someone here. That's really honestly been the case. It's just been more comfortable to stay where you're at. You've come to a certain place, and here's the thing about God. God will always let you settle on the level that you settle for. But that doesn't mean that that's what God wants for you. God has more. God has more. And so, Father, I pray for those in this room that have allowed convenience or comfort to keep them where they're at. God, I pray right now that there would just be a Holy Ghost compelling to step into this next season, step into this next obedience. If that's you, if that's you here in this room, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. If you're here in this room and you feel like there's just been kind of a, a stuck thing in your life and you're ready for more, you, you feel and you know that God is, God is calling you right now for more. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up in this place just so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, so many hands going up, so many hands. Would you just lift both hands right there where you are? Just right there where you are. This is, we're gonna, we're gonna just change some things here. Right here, this is the step, this is the step. Father, right now, Lord, with every person that has their hand raised right now that just feels, Lord, maybe just where they are right now in a stuck season, I thank you, Lord, if you are a God of exit, you are a God of movement, you are a God of unstuck, I pray, Lord, right now, by the Holy Spirit, that you would begin to call them up, call them up, call them forward. Today, we say yes to following Jesus. Yes to following Jesus. Yes to following Jesus. Yes to following the leading of the Holy Spirit. As Paul encourages us to not walk by the flesh, but to walk by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, our hearts are open. Our ears are open. Speak to us. God, may we hear your voice today. God, I pray, Lord, for every person in this room, Lord, that there would be a, a, a personal revival that happens even in this moment. Even as I'm praying right now, that there would be a revival of what happens in their heart. For God, a new commitment to just go, I'm, I'm all in, God. Whatever's next, I say yes. God, I write the check, yes, even before you fill it in. Lord, I just say yes. I pray for those that are in this room, Lord, that have battled insecurities. God, wondering who they are. God, remind them not only of who they are in Christ, but I pray that you would remind them of who you are. Because in understanding who you are, God, we understand who we are. Thank you for the spirit of God that lives on the inside of them. Lord, I pray for those right now who have been battling crippling fear. 
If that's you in this room, all, all hands down, if you're in here and you've been battling some fear, maybe you got some news, maybe you're in a season right now where there's been some fear, would you just raise your hand if that's you? Anybody's got some fear, maybe fear of the future, maybe fear of a child, maybe fear of a diagnosis, there's something that's gone, there's fear right there. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, for every person. Keep your hand up right there, if that's you. God, I thank you, Lord, for the spirit of fear is not from you, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I pray right now that the spirit of fear would be broken off of them in Jesus' name. Broken off of them in Jesus' name. Broken off of them in Jesus' name. God, I thank you today that we put full trust and confidence in our God. Lord, that in the future that maybe we have fear for, you're already in it. You're already in it. God, Lord, if it's a health diagnosis, God, we thank you that you're a healer. God, that you can heal. God, I pray, Lord, for those right now, Lord, that are, are fearful in the mind, God, there's just been wrestling, been having a hard time to sleep. I pray sleep tonight like they've never had before. Rest of mind and heart like never before. The peace of God would rule and reign in their hearts. Lord, I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Pray that now in Jesus' name. Spirit of fear, you have to leave in Jesus' name. You have to leave in Jesus' name. You have to leave in Jesus' name. And I pray a level of faith would rise up in this house and in every person today. Lord, that's raising their hand in this place going, I, I, that's me, I've been feeling this. God, I pray, Lord, faith would rise up inside of them. Thank you, Lord, that you're coming and filling and refreshing and blessing them in this place. Lord, we just surrender all to you. We thank you, Lord, that you're drawing us close, that you're speaking to us. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to uh, refresh Pastor Jamie and Cheryl, God. Lord, in these last days, that they're, they're, they're coming on. Lord, I just pray a blessing over this. God, I pray a blessing right now over this campus today. God, thank you, Lord, for what you've done over these last eight weeks, not only in Pastor Jamie and Cheryl, but what you've done in your church. God, what you've done in your church, preparing them from a pl for a place of health and growth and strength. God, I pray that the anointing of Christ would be on this place. I pray as people would drive onto this campus, they would sense the presence of God in such a real and tangible way. I pray, God, as people drive off, that they would drive off into the mission of what you have for them, that you would use them mightily for your gospel. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in this house, that you would continue to do it. We pray your blessings on it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.